0: Welcome to the Purpose Founder Podcast. We're so excited that you're here. This is a weekly recap of the Life Gathering that happens on Wednesdays at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time. Join our Facebook discipleship page and receive updates and content information and connect with people from all around the world. We're so excited that you're joining us today. John. John chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. That's where we're going to be at today. Uh, if you guys have your Bible, open it up, grab a notebook, get ready to take some notes. Uh, so Jesus is speaking here to his disciples. Um, this is towards the end of Jesus's life in the book of John when he is getting ready to go to the cross. And so this is what he says. He says, in a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. That's not uh, that's not that's super clear, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. A little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Awesome. So some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me and I am going to the Father, right? This is confusing, Jesus. What are you saying? And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Okay, I'd probably be in the same boat uh, because that's super ambiguous what Jesus is talking about. But Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said, in a little while you won't see me. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Flat out, plain the truth. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. All right, and our focus verse that we're going to be thinking, uh, talking about today is when Jesus says, you haven't done this before. Ask using my name, using the name of Jesus, and you will receive And you will have abundant joy. Father, thank you so much for this time. May this be a blessed and anointed time, Father, to bring your word to your people. God, may you just bless my lips, bless the words that are coming from me. God, and may they not come from me. May they come from your spirit to give us guidance into your truth, Father. Let your word go forth into the hearts of your people. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So I want to start off by, um, this is what we're talking about right jesus's uh verse when he uh, ver- jesus is saying when he says you haven't done this before ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy so the question i want to ask you all is does god answer prayer right um how many of you maybe would say that you have some unanswered prayers in your life yeah i would there are some unanswered prayers in my life for sure all right how many of you um how many of you would say that you've seen God answer prayers in your life, right? Put all. Just put it in the chat. Um, maybe you have some unanswered prayers. Maybe you have some answered prayers that you've seen God come through. So does God answer prayer? Well, how do I know that God answered prayers? Does he hear me? Is he still with me? Has Why hasn't he answered yet, right? These are all the questions that we start to ask ourselves when Jesus says something like, ask in my name and you will receive. Well, God, I've been asking, but why haven't I received an answer. Does God answer prayers? And so the the title of this message today is the assurance of answered prayer. The assurance of answered prayer. So this is Jesus's last teaching before he goes to the cross, right? So in the book of John, this is one of the last things he teaches his disciples before he's getting ready to go and die a horrible death. Right. And ultimately be resurrected and ascend to the father. But the fact that this is what Jesus is teaching at the very end of his life, at the very end of, of his time with his disciples, means this is very important. Right. As Jesus being a rabbi, he's going to his disciples and saying, this is my last thing I'm going to tell you. This is what you need to take with you into the world after I'm gone, because I'm going away for a little while. Right. He just assured them I'm going to be gone for a while. Right, and he's told them before that I'm going to send one after me who is great, who is going to help you with what you need. He's going to help you and be there in you. So this is important that Jesus is saying that you will ask using my name, and I will do it for you. And again, Jesus says when the disciples have said this, uh, they're saying why? Why is he talking about this? What does he mean, right? And so when Jesus says are you asking yourselves what i meant how funny is this right this is kind of this is kind of comical the fact that jesus says something and the disciples then go to themselves they go to each other and say what does he mean he's standing right there why does he not why did they not just go and ask them him, uh, ask him themselves right but i think john includes this because oftentimes we're asking ourselves what does jesus mean we're asking ourselves what does god mean or we're asking someone else what what does that mean? Have you ever done this? Have you ever just make up things that people are saying or thinking about you and you've never even bothered to ask them what they're actually saying or thinking? How often do we do this? Right, We're looking for answers of what someone means, but we never actually go to the source of the, of the person who has said something. We just make up stories in our mind. And we believe that to be truth. We believe it to be the truth. We don't understand, and so we don't even ask. We don't even ask the person who said those things, what they actually mean. And so now we have these crazy stories running through our minds, thinking that this is going to be one way or the other, or that they are now thinking this about me, and they, they just are, are uh, you know, tearing me down in their mind, and they just think about this, me, 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 just blah, 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 right? So Jesus is using this situation. He is using the situation that the disciples are, are going through, right? They are asking themselves what Jesus is meaning. He's using this situation then to tell them a truth that will help them in the coming days after he's gone right so jesus sees this and says well cool you're actually going to ask in my name and then the father will answer you and i will answer you and hear what you are saying so this brings me to my, to my first point um, of the assurance of answer prayer and so this, uh the first point is that you have not because you ask not right you have not because you ask not and this is from the book of james this is from the book of James chapter four, where it says, "Yet yeah, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. This is a hard truth, y'all. James is sitting there just giving it to us the way it is. He says, you don't even have because you have not asked God for it, right? Some of you, you've been saying prayers, but you haven't even asked God for what you need. You've been saying all the prayers that you can think of. You've been saying all the things that sound good and sound right, and they've, they are what you've heard uh, your entire life. But have you actually ever asked God for what you need? Right? We're just, sometimes we're just saying things into the air, hoping that by some chance, God will uh, catch hold of it, and he will grant our wishes like a magic genie in a bottle. But God is not a magic genie in a bottle. He does not just grant us our three wishes and then move on. Right, that whenever we are going through a tough time, well, that's I'm I'm going to say my prayer, and it's going to be my wishful thinking up into the sky, and God's going to have it. I'm going to get what I need uh, for what I need in my life, and it's going to be all for me. It's for my pleasure. What James is talking, this is what James is talking about, y'all. And sometimes what we think we're doing is we're praying, but honestly, if we're if we were honest with ourselves, all we're doing is complaining about what we don't have, and we've never stopped to pause for a moment and ask God for what we need. And James says that the starting point of answered prayer is actually asking God. This is what Jesus says too. This is the starting point of answered prayer. Because when Jesus was with his disciples, they didn't have to ask him to do things, right? Like it it was just, he just was there and that happened. But now that they don't have him anymore, now that we don't have Jesus in a physical presence anymore, we have to ask God for those things. We have to ask, right? Just ask. Just ask. Because God already knows before we even ask it. And so then you might be asking, well, what if God doesn't answer? What if God doesn't answer? Well, let me tell you a story about three guys who said the same thing. So in the book of Daniel, there's a story of three guys. And their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they are, uh, you know, living in a time in, in captivity and exile and King Nebuchadnezzar decides that, uh, hey, I'm gonna, going to make a big golden statue of myself. And everyone in this kingdom has to bow down and worship this golden statue of me. And that's what the edict is that goes throughout the land. That's what the uh, the requirement is. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are God-fearers. They uh, they have the fear of God in them. They are worshipers of, of the one true God. And so they say, uh, no, sorry, that's not going to happen. We are not going to bow down to this golden statue and worship you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, and so then we pick up in Daniel chapter three where it says uh, the king says, you know what I'm going to throw you into a blazing furnace if you don't bow down and worship me. And so these boys, these boys, they they have the audacity before a king who says I'm going to throw you into a fire to say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will. Deliver us from your majesty's hand. And then, and then they say, but even if he does not, even if God does not answer our prayer in the way that we think he will, even if God does not answer the prayer in the way we want him to, even if God does not answer our prayer right now, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And that takes some faith. That takes some knowing God firsthand that he is still with you, that it doesn't matter what anybody else does to you. It is not worth it to sacrifice and give up yourself and your soul to worship something else other than the one true God, other than God himself, Yahweh. So they say, if God doesn't answer us, well, we're still not going to do it. We're still not going to bow down. So the second point then is God does answer. Right. God answers. This is the second point. God answers. He does. And in the story, um, if you continue reading through this story of uh, these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Nebuchadnezzar and in the book of Daniel. Right. It turns out they end up being thrown in the fire. If you're not familiar with the story, this does not have a uh, it has a happy ending, but it doesn't start with the uh, with the assurance that it's like, oh, God just comes down and that's it. No. The king actually turns up the, the furnace to be hotter than it ever has been before to the point where the guards who are uh, there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're like melting uh, and just like dying because this fire is so hot. They get thrown into the fiery furnace, but God shows up. God answers then at that last moment when they probably thought, well, we're going to die, y'all. This is it. This is the end of our life. This is the, here we go, right? God shows up and he answers. He answers, and man, I've I've heard this said a lot of times, and I've used it in my own life too because I believe it to be true that God is an 11th-hour God. God is an 11th-hour God, meaning that God shows up not when we really expect Him to. God shows up right when we need Him to. God doesn't necessarily show up when we want Him to. He shows up when we need Him to show up because He knows right when we need Him to show up the most. Right? And so then these three... like. Just to finish this story uh, and tie it, tie it with a nice bow on top, is that these they're, they're in the fiery furnace, but God is in there with them in the fiery furnace, in the, in the fire. God shows up in the fire with them, right? So God answered, but probably not how they were expecting. So God answers. And this is all throughout Scripture. There are so many Scriptures throughout the Bible that show the evidence of God answering our prayers, Right. Second Chronicles 714 says that then if my people who are called by my name, right, this is God speaking, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Well, shoot. Now God's not just answering prayer. Now God is actually healing and restoring the land that they are on that actually rightfully belong to them. God is restoring their fortunes. God is restoring their wealth. God is restoring their livelihoods around them. So it's not just that God is answering a prayer. He is restoring something to these people. Psalm 34:4. David says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. It can't, y'all, it can't get much clearer than that. It can't get much any clearer than that. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. So God answered in this way and freed David from his fears. John 15, 7, Jesus says, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask me for anything you want, and it will be granted. Right? Now I know we hear this. We hear this. When we say, oh, I can ask for anything I want, and God and my request will be granted. Jesus will give me whatever I want. Well, there's a caveat to that. Right? We can't just ask for whatever we want. Uh, again, if you think back to what James said right? You ask with the wrong motives. So what's your motive when you're praying? Are you, are you praying so that you can receive and get things and get things and get things and just, uh, be blessed yourself? Are you praying just for yourself? Are you praying that you just, that you can just have everything you need, and have all the wealth and the money and all these things around you and just be good for your life, right? Is that really a good motive? Do you think I'll give you a hint? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, so what's your motive in your prayers? What's your motive? And then John 14, 13 to 14, Jesus says again, this is before uh, what we just read. He says, you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. That's Jesus speaking, right? So again, God answers our prayers. He does, God does answer our prayers, but it's not always, he doesn't always answer us the way that we want him to. That's the hard fact about all of this is that God speaks. God speaks and God answers. That is the fact. But it's not always the way we want him to or the way we think he's going to. Right? God always answers with a yes, with a no, or with a wait. So God either says yes, God either says no, or he says not right now. Right? So I want to I just... Uh, talk about this a little bit. So uh, there's a story in scripture of how uh, two of Jesus's disciples, John and James, their mother comes to Jesus and says, hey, I want you to give both of my sons a seat at your right hand and your left hand when you enter into your kingdom, right? And Jesus turns to her and says, woman, you don't know what you're asking. Basically, in effect, that Jesus, Jesus was saying no. Jesus says, can you drink from the cup I'm going to drink from? And they said, yes. And then Jesus is like, well, you're going to, right? So what, what uh, their mother was asking for, Jesus effectively said no, because it was not to glorify the Father. It was for their own personal gain, right? To have a higher seat, to sit right next to Jesus, at the left hand and the right hand of Jesus, when he enters his kingdom and sits at the at the right hand of God, right? Their mother's like, I want, I want my boys to be sitting right next to you, Jesus. Uh, I want them to have the highest place of honor next to you right so jesus says no because it's a selfish gain kind of prayer it's a it's a way to say oh well i want this for myself and for my sons and uh, you know i'm i'm praying for my for my sons lord like why can't i have this and it's not because it's no because it's a self gratification it, it is a way to say well i'm going to get what i want and forget about everybody else right so jesus says no in this instance but if you compare that to when jesus heals uh, blind men and he gives them their sight back that's an immediate answered prayer right there's two men sitting on the side of the road and jesus walks by and they say lord give us our sight they say lord heal us and the, and jesus's immediate answer is yes he heals them right then and there on the spot because they acknowledged him as lord because they used his name because they uh said that he was the lord right it was nothing for their own gain yes they gained their sight but The first thing they're going to see is the son of God. The first thing they're going to see is Jesus Christ standing right before them, right? God in the flesh. So again, God, when we, when we, we, when we are praying and we don't see the answers that we always want, or we think that, uh, you know, it's, it's just, we're not getting answers at all, right? Sometimes God is saying, wait, and it's not a way to punish you. It's a way to protect you. It's a way so that you can be prepared For when the time comes for you to receive that answered prayer, you are prepared for it. So that way you are prepared and you have room for those answered prayers. So God answers when we humble ourselves, right? That was from 2 Chronicles. God answers when we we humble ourselves. When we go before him and we have this posture of like, well, you know, Lord, I should just have all this because I deserve it. That's not going to be an attitude that's going to be able to receive uh, an answered prayer, right? We have to humble ourselves before a mighty eternal God. We have to humble ourselves before him because he is God almighty. He is Yahweh, right? We should go before him with fear and trembling, right? Every single time a prophet in the Bible comes before God, they fall on his face, right? You think a prophet, a prophet, those people who are called specifically by God to go give a message to some people, whoever those people were, and give a message directly from God himself. Every, like you would think, these people are righteous. They are, God has chosen them specifically. They should be able to go into God's presence. They can't because He is so uh, immense, because His glory is so profound and heavy. Every single prophet in the Bible, when they go into God's presence, they fall flat on their face. And so, we should humble ourselves in that same position say that God, there's nothing about my life that I deserve, but you have given me everything, right? We take that lower position. We humble ourselves before God, right? And also God answers when we remain in him. Jesus said, if you abide in me as I abide in the Father, right? So when we remain in him, that means that we have alignment with him. We are remaining in the same position, in the same uh, you know line that, that we are uh, trying to just you we'll have that same alignment. I don't know what the other word I'm trying to say uh, to um, talk about this. But we remain in him. We have alignment with his will. There we go. That's what I'm trying to talk about. His will. We are aligned with God's will for our lives. And sometimes we don't know what that exact will is. And so sometimes that's why we have to wait. Right? And again, the last one. Uh, God answers when we use his name. Going back to what Jesus said. Jesus says, you will use my name when you pray. And I will answer you. Right. And you think about other stories in the Bible, uh, like how Elijah called on the name of God, right? Before all of those false prophets out at Mount Carmel. Elijah calls on the name of God and fire falls from heaven. Whereas all these other people, all these other pagan worshiping priests and stuff, like they're they're just, you know, dancing and, and screaming and cutting themselves and all these things, and nothing happens. But when Elijah uses the name of God, fire falls from heaven. When Moses called on God, and the Red Sea split open, right? When he called on the name of God and God answered his prayer right then and there. And how the disciples used after Jesus uh, died and was resurrected and Jesus sent them out with the great commission to say, go and spread my message to everyone, uh, everyone everywhere, right? The disciples used the name of Jesus Christ and healed people, raised people from the dead, did all these things because they used his name. So again, God answers God answers. And lastly, keep knocking. Keep knocking. Last point. Point number three is keep knocking. So Jesus says in Matthew 7, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Period. He doesn't say anything else. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And see, here's the thing. You stop knocking because the door didn't open immediately. You stop being persistent because things didn't happen on your timetable. And, you know, I'm saying this because I've been through it. I'm saying this because this is my life. Like this, I've lived through this. I have been through so many unanswered prayers. I have been through so many answered prayers. I have been through so many no prayers uh, or there are no answers from God. I've been through seasons of life where God said no and shut the door and it never opened again. And it was hard to get through that. And maybe I stopped knocking or maybe it was just God saying no, right? And so I know this might sound kind of like, oh my gosh, how do I know? Like, do I keep knocking and is this a closed door? Well, again, when you seek God, when you humble yourself, when you align yourself with his will, when you use his name, you can be sure that that is how you're going to find out if this is a closed door from God or not, right? And y'all, do you remember what I said about this year being the year of the open door, right? Maybe maybe you weren't on that call. uh, Gosh, when was that? Beginning of of, uh, this month. Um, But this year is the year of the open door in the Hebrew calendar. And so y'all, don't stop knocking already. Don't stop knocking at that door. Be persistent. Jesus says to keep knocking. Keep knocking and the door will be opened. And so this is going to lead to one of two things, right? This door will open because it's in God's timing to open it and it's in his will for your life or God will develop you, right? He will say, wait, or he'll say no. And God will develop you so that when, that way, when the right door opens or when this door does open, you're prepared for what's on the other side, right? So it's not that God is keeping us from these prayers, these answers because he's punishing us, right? He's, the Bible has no evidence that says God uh, ever doesn't answer a prayer because we asked it in the wrong way or because, um, you know, that he doesn't love us or that he's not a gracious and loving God. It says that he does not answer because of one thing or the other, of, because it's a, it's a no, it's not right now, or it's a yes and it does open, right? I think about even when Paul uh, in the book of Acts Right. there, Paul is getting ready to go over to Asia, I believe. And um, I believe it, it says that the Holy Spirit said that that was not the right way to go. That was not the way for them, for Paul to go, because that door was going to be open for John, who wrote the gospel we just read through. Um, that that door, that area, that opportunity, that answer to that prayer will be open for John to go to Asia and to preach to those people there where Paul had to go somewhere else. Right. So again, y'all, I want you, I just want you guys to get this in your spirit that when you align yourselves with God's will for your life and you are uh, constantly seeking Him, you are humbling yourself before Him, it is so much easier to discern and understand what God is saying when He doesn't answer a prayer or when you have to wait for a prayer or when He says yes uh, and He answers in that way. And again, more scripture because this is it answered prayers and about prayers all over scripture. First John says, we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him, right? Anything that pleases him, that's important. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for, right? Because it pleases him. It's pleasing to God. It's in his will. It's in, a, in alignment with him. And then Matthew 7, Jesus says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Right? God wants to give us good gifts because he's a heavenly father, right? I, as a father, am not going to give my children awful and terrible gifts. I know how to give good gifts to my children. And Jesus says, How much more will your heavenly father answer you? and give a good gift to you. And Jesus also says in Matthew 6, right, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him, right? Like sometimes we think that, oh, I got, I have to pray for an hour today, because I haven't prayed all week, so I got makeup. I gotta pray for an hour and just say all the things, all the things. And Jesus is saying, "Don't be like that. Your <madfather> heavenly Father already knows what you need, so just ask Him. Just ask Him. Use the name of Jesus. Ask Him. Don't just don't just babble and babble and babble, blah 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 blah. Lord, blah 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 blah. All right, we can we can be praying and say all the right things, y'all. We can say all the right things and quote scripture and this, that, and the other." But God says, I already know. He says, I already see your needs because I'm concerned about you, because I care for you, because I know you, because I have formed you in your mother's womb, because I formed you before you were in your mother's womb. I know you. I know every single detail about your life. I know what you need. Just ask me. I'm your father. I want to provide for you. Right? So you might be asking yourself, okay, what do I do now? So cool, cool, Noah, great. Uh, that's that all sounds wonderful. And I get it, but what do I do? What do I do with that? like how do how do I pray? I, I know that I need to uh, align myself with with God's will. I need to be seeking that will. I need to seek God. I need to humble myself. I need to uh, do all these things. What do I do? What do I do? I want you to sow. I want you to sow. I want you to seek him. I want you to obey him, and I want you to wait for him. Seek him, obey him, and wait for him. S-O-W. Easy ways to remember that, just for fun. So seek him. Are you actively spending time with him every day? Right? Prayer should be a continual thing through our lives. Right? There may be seasons where it is a specific time each day that you are praying and for a certain amount of time, whatever that is. And that's fantastic. I've been through seasons in my life like that as well. And that's important and that is good because God will speak to you. He will answer your prayers um, when you do that in amazing and profound ways. So seek him, right? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So are you actively spending time with him every day? Are you seeking him? Because Jesus said, seek and you will find. Well, depends on what you're seeking. If you're seeking evil, you'll find evil. If you're seeking bad things, you'll find the bad things. If you're seeking things, like Jesus doesn't say, like, just seek the good things and, and you'll find the good things. It, 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 seek and you'll find. So in your life, what are you seeking? Are you seeking after material gains so that you can just be blessed by yourself and have a big house and a nice car and all these other things that are important? Important? Or are you seeking, like Jesus said, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father? Are you seeking him so that you can be a blessing to other people like Abraham was, like God called Abraham to be, right? Are you seeking to be blessed, to have a financial breakthrough, to have uh, important things and, and all these different things in your life, material things or even spiritual things? Are you seeking these things so that you can honor God, so that you can show other people who God is? God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make you into a great nation so that all of the other nations will know who I am. And God took Abraham and took him from his home and put him in a place surrounded by all kinds of other pagan, idolatrous, other nations. Because God said, I want you to bless them, Abraham. I want you to bless them. I want you to be in a place that doesn't make any sense because you're going to bless them. They're going to come to know me. That is why we should be seeking him is to give glory and honor to God. And I want you to obey him. Are you responding to what God says? Because we'll pray and God will answer us. And we say, "Oop, never mind. I don't want to do that. No, thank you. That's too complicated. I can't forgive that person. Nope. I I need to hold on to this bitterness in my heart for a little while longer because it just, I can't let it go. They did this to me and they hurt me and they betrayed me and uh, manipulated me and did all that kind of stuff. Nope. I can't do that, God. And when you pray, God says, forgive them. God answered that's the assurance of answer prayer, y'all. God will answer you, but will you obey him? Will you respond in obedience to what he says? And will you wait for him? Are you actively listening for God to answer? Will you wait for him? Because sometimes we are like the Gentiles or the pagans, we just keep babbling and babbling and babbling. We keep talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. And we never give God enough room to say a word to us. We don't give him enough time to say a word to us, to say something to us that will help us. So sometimes when you pray, you just sit and you wait. You wait for God to speak because you prayed all the prayers, you prayed all the things. And so now it's time to wait and let him respond. So seek him, obey him, and wait for him. The seeds you are sowing today will be the fruit that you eat from tomorrow. And tomorrow, right? Like Jesus said, in a little while. Well, how long is the little while? A little while. You're not supposed to know how long it is. You may not. You may not. You 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 may not be able to know how long it is by the time when you pray a prayer, and by the time you see that fruit from that answered prayer. But you'll eat from it. And your children will eat from it, and your children's children will eat from it. I'm saying, I'm saying, uh, the seeds and the tree and the fruit and everything, because the prayers you pray today will be the answers you see tomorrow, in a little while, in God's timing. And boy, have I had to learn this in my life, <laughs> and am I still learning this in my life? Oh man, in God's timing. Because we want things to happen immediately because it feels good when things happen immediately and we have this instant gratification kind of culture. At least here in the U.S. we do, uh, for sure. But in a little while, in God's timing, right? In Revelation 5.8 it says, uh, when Jesus had taken the scroll, it says the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb and each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people that the prayers of God's people all of these elders have the prayers that you've been praying and they are being offered up to God as a fragrant and a pleasing aroma before him right the incense that is burning it is the prayers of God's people and sometimes when you sow those seeds this might this might sound kind of kind of cheesy but I'm going to say it anyways sometimes when you're sowing these seeds and you're praying these prayers you're going to water them by your tears you're going to water them and they will grow because of the the tears you are you're you're pouring out because that's all you can do sometimes that's all you can do is just to sit with god and cry and just let it be that moment with him while you're waiting while you're waiting and god has not answered yet but just wait in a little while your prayers will be answered And so lastly, after Jesus says what what, uh, he said at the beginning um, that I talked about, right, when we use, Jesus said, ask and using my name, and the Father will answer. After this, he says, I have spoken of these matters and figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly, because you love me and believe that I came from God, right? And Jesus is saying, "I'm not going to ask the Father because you have direct access to Him." That is the beautiful thing of what happened when Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the grave and forgave us of our sins because He, uh, He, He made just He made the access with God direct that we were no longer separated from Him. When we have Christ living within us, when we love Jesus, when we love Christ, and we believe that he came from God, we have direct access to the Father. Before, this wasn't possible. People had to go through the priests to offer sacrifices and to get atonement and to be right with God. But Christ paid for it all. He paid for it all with his blood on the cross. And so when Jesus died on the cross, it says that the veil and the temple was torn. This is the veil. This is the curtain that was super high and went the from the floor to the top of this uh, temple. Just um, I don't even know how many feet high, like a bunch, really, really tall, right? But this curtain, it was torn from top to bottom. It says the Bible says that it was torn where the holy of holies was, where God's presence dwelt. And it says that that veil was torn, and Jesus says you have direct access now to God the Father because. Of me because I am in you and I am in the Father. Jesus says, if you abide in me as I am in the Father, then we have access to him. We don't have to go through all these things. We don't have to ask other people to bless us in our lives because we have access to a heavenly Father who knows exactly what we need. And so, if you're on this call and you're saying, no, this sounds great, but... I've, I've never, you know, I've never used the name of Jesus. Uh, maybe you've never used the name of Jesus in a prayer before. I would encourage you, this is the time to start. Start doing that. And maybe you're saying, I don't even know who Jesus is. Maybe you're saying like, ah, yeah, I've heard about this guy, but like, whatever. Cool. He's just another prophet. He was just another person that, you know, one of those other prophet guys. I'm telling you, he wasn't. He is your personal Lord and Savior. He said these things to his disciples so that they would go out and tell people who he was and that God had come down from heaven to be with them to dwell with them to be Emmanuel, to be God with us. To be a personal and close and intimate God. Right? God doesn't answer like Elijah. He doesn't answer in these big, profound, great, loud, thunderous ways. Right? God wasn't in those things with Elijah. He was in the still small voice when you have a still small voice you have to be close so i just want to ask you if i've said all this and you are not sure if jesus is your lord and savior then this moment is for you or maybe you are even wanting to rededicate your life to christ and you're wanting to turn away from other things that you've been following you want to turn back to him and follow him right and call on his name and call on his name and have him answer you Isaiah 53, 6 says that all of us like sheep have gone astray. We've each gone our have gone our own ways. We've each turned to our own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Right when Jesus was on the cross, he took the entire weight of sin, past, present, and future, for those who believe in him, for those who are in him, to fall on him. He took it all for us. He took it all for us. And this is a great and profound mystery. And again, the just a fun, fun thing with this, uh, with the veil being torn too, um, right? A, a little side note that oftentimes when great sorrow happened in biblical times, right, you would hear of these people ripping their garments and would rip from top to bottom. It would make this incredibly uh, just profound sound, right? So you can also think of the veil being torn in this way as well of God being in so much agony that his son had to die, that he was ripping his own garment that was covering his presence in the temple right but this is what happened this is what happened and why jesus came in the first place and why we now have access to the father why we now have the ability to have answered prayers directly from god and romans six twenty three says for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord again if our if you if as earthly fathers we know how to good give good gifts god gave the ultimate best gift we could ever receive and that's the gift of eternal life in christ jesus our lord and so again there was a gap there was there was no way other than what god had put in place but we couldn't even hold the law we couldn't do the things god told us to do until we had a spiritual death we we had separation from god But God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to save us, to forgive us our sins, because he loves us so much, because he loves us so incredibly much, and he gave freely to us that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins that separated us from him. And when we confess that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, when we believe that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. And so Jesus bridged that gap for us. Where there was no way, he made a way where there was an impossible situation. God heard the prayers of his people and he answered in the gift of his son. So if you're on this call and you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're on this call and you have never asked Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior and that you believe in him, then I want to say a prayer with you right now. I want you to say this along with me. Okay, so we're going to say this together. Father God, I know that I am a sinner and that I need you to forgive me. I know that your son Jesus died a painful death and rose again so that my sins could be washed clean. Thank you, Jesus. I want to make you the Lord of my life and I will trust you and follow you. Everything that I have, is yours now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining our Purpose Founder podcast. If you made a decision for Christ today, fill out the link below and let us know so we can send you a free devotional and get connected with you. We also want to remind you to join our Facebook discipleship page and get connected with us and people all around the world. Until next time, we'll see you soon.